If you have your Bible, you can go with me to Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Philippians chapter 2 will be there in a moment, but before we go there, I want you to hear this story. James McConkie writes, Into the life of my brother came this experience. The winter was ending. The ice in our native river was breaking up. A few miles above our home was a small town at which an immense ice jam had formed in the river. Just below this was an island on which 11 people, men, women, and children, were imprisoned. Everyone knew the fate that awaited them. If the ice dam, with its great wall of water behind it, should break, it would sweep those unfortunate people downriver to their deaths. When my brother learned of the situation, he put $50 in his pocket and hurried to the little town. When he arrived there, he found the entire population lined up along the riverbanks waiting for the inevitable catastrophe. Standing among the crowd, he offered the $50 to any man who would attempt to rescue the imperiled islanders. But no one signified his willingness to make the desperate attempt. Again and again, he repeated his offer, and each time it was refused. Unable to induce anyone else to try the rescue operation, he sent to the village store for a length of small but strong rope. When it came, my brother tied this to his belt and offered to join himself to any man who would rope himself in an effort to save the lives of the doomed people on the island. Immediately, four men stepped to his side, roping themselves to the same line of peril. And those five men picked their way across the great ice dam that, at imminent hazard of their own lives to bring back to safety those that otherwise would have certainly died. When he offered money, there was not a man who would take the risk. But when they saw him willing to give himself and were touched by the life that counted no price too great, he drew them instantly to his side. The 17th century Puritan Thomas Brooks wisely observed that example is the most powerful rhetoric. Example is the most powerful rhetoric. You know, for the follower of Jesus, examples of godly living can be powerful and encouraging. We have our ultimate example, of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have Him to look to. And That is a wonderful blessing that we have in God's Word, that we can look to Christ as our ultimate example. It's also a good thing that we have other reminders, other examples. And God is, is very gracious to give us Many examples. We have in the Bible examples of godly men who practiced what Paul instructed the Philippian believers to do, as we've been seeing here in Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 2. With the help of the Holy Spirit, they obediently were following Christ, practicing some of the spiritual disciplines that we're being directed to. And I hope you're being challenged and encouraged by the spiritual disciplines we see here in God's Word, that we see the necessity that we live these out, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of those who watch us, who we set an example for. 
We heard this instruction back in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We also looked at Paul's instruction here in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You can look at those verses if you're in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now making certain that our conduct is worthy of the gospel worthy of that gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and looking out for the interest of others, I think we would have to admit is challenging. It's not always easy. It's not even automatic. It's challenging. Making certain our conduct is worthy of the gospel of Christ and setting an example for others to follow could be even more challenging. Wouldn't it be encouraging to have godly examples that we can follow? So that we can follow godly examples and set a godly example ourselves as we look to those who have gone before us. Well, as we look at the text before us today in Philippians 2, and I want to read in a moment verses 19 through 24, we're going to find that God has given us an example in a, in a man named Timothy. He was practicing these things in his life that Paul is speaking of. So it's one thing to tell people how to live. It's another thing to show them how to live. To show them what it means to obey Christ. To show them what it means to obey God's Word. To show them what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ day in and day out, one step at a time. So it's encouraging to read about the godly life of a man like Timothy and to understand that if he could live a godly life, well, then we can too. He has the Holy Spirit at work in him. Well, if your trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have that same Holy Spirit enabling you to do the kinds of things that Timothy was able to do. So let's look together at Philippians 2, verses 19 to 24, where we're going to see Paul commending Timothy to the church. Not with a list of impressive credentials, but by pointing to his godly qualities of character so follow along i'm going to read philippians 2 verses 19 to 24 from the english standard version you follow along in your copy of god's word where we begin in verse 19 and it says i hope in the lord jesus to send timothy to you soon so that i too may be cleared uh, cheered by news of you for i have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare for they all seek their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So Paul wants to send Timothy to the Philippian believers to whom he's writing this letter. 
He wants Timothy to go to them to minister to their needs since he can't be there himself. He hopes to be there soon, but since he he can't be assured that he'll be able to get there soon, he sends Timothy and he wants to send him on ahead to minister to the believers at Philippi. So in verse 19, Paul commends Timothy to the church, pointing to his quality of character, grown in him by the work of the Holy Spirit. These are qualities of character that all of God's people should be growing in. So as we look at these this morning, I want you to think about how this applies to your life. We can be applying these truths to our lives if we will humble ourselves before the Lord. This is what God's Word is for, to draw us to the truth and then help us to see how the truth works in our lives for God's glory. And then God calls us to humble ourselves before Him and look to His Word for the instruction that He will give us by the work of His Holy Spirit. And if we'll learn to live out our faith and humble ourselves before the Lord, as we've we've been being taught here in these verses, earlier verses of chapter 2, if we'll learn to stop grumbling and disputing, if we'll learn to pursue unity in the church, we will be living lives that glorify God, that please the Lord, and set a powerful example for our brothers and sisters in Christ to follow. So note the first quality of character that Paul points to that's seen in Timothy. and It's in verse 20, and I call it this. It's like-mindedness. It's a character of quality, a, a, a quality of character that's Timothy's by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a like-mindedness. Paul says, if you're looking at verse 20, Paul says, I have no one like him. That's kind of remarkable. I have no one like him. The New American Standard Bible translates this phrase, I have no one else of kindred spirit. What's that? Well, he's pointing to the fact that Timothy was of the same mind as Paul, the same mind that he was. Timothy had the same heart of care and concern for people that Paul had. Timothy is like-minded. Where have we heard that before? Haven't we heard that already in chapter 2? Timothy had that same heart of care, that same concern for people. Timothy is, of course, like-minded because he's following Paul's example. And he's seeking to be obedient to God. And no one else... that Paul can send is of kindred spirit and like-minded in the way that Timothy is. Paul couldn't go to the Philippian believers himself, so he, he did the next best thing. He's sending Timothy, and he's confident that he can send Timothy to do what he needs to do, even in his absence. In fact, back in verse 2, we heard Paul say, that what we see in Timothy is the same thing that he wanted for these believers. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul sends them Timothy. He's not only going to care for the needs, he's also going to set them an example that they can follow of the like-mindedness that Paul wants to see in them. He's challenging them with this letter 
toward like-mindedness, and then he's sending someone who practices it, that they can follow an example. And as one who was a kindred spirit and like-minded, Paul didn't have to be concerned that Timothy would say or do something that would contradict what he's writing to them, what he's teaching them. He wouldn't undermine his efforts on behalf of these Philippian believers. He had great confidence that, that Timothy would carry the message well and live the message out that they could follow it. And like Paul, Timothy's concern for all the needs of, of these people would mean that he would care well for these believers, that he would put their interests above his own, that he would be concerned about their spiritual well-being. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that could be said of us? Wouldn't that be wonderful if, if people could say that about us as a a church, as individual, individuals even, we ought to be growing in Christ-likeness and like-mindedness so much and so faithfully that we are of kindred spirit with one another. That we are each like-minded with one another over the things of the Lord. That we would come together as a church and be unified in purpose around the gospel. Think of what a blessing we could be for the kingdom of God if we could confidently be sent by others to any task that we're given, knowing that we would be faithful to carry it out for God's glory. That's what we're being called to. Faithfulness, obedience to God, a love for people, a love for God's people and a love for people in the world who need the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we were so devoted to the task of spreading the gospel that we could be sent and trusted to carry out the job with which we've been assigned? That's what God calls us to be prepared for and equipped for. Now I want you to note Timothy's second quality of character. He was genuinely caring so he was like-minded, and he was genuinely caring. It's also in verse 20, Paul says that Timothy will be genuinely concerned for their welfare. It's been said, and maybe you've heard this before, that people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It was kind of true. Of Timothy, he had this genuine concern for people, and Paul was confident that as Timothy carries this message, that it won't be overwhelmed or drowned out because his his life doesn't measure up to the message. His life did measure up to the message. And he did care for these people. He knew, Paul knew in sending Timothy that they would see clearly that he cared about their needs. Timothy was genuine. He was the real deal. Now this takes us back to what Paul says earlier in chapter 2 when he instructs in verses 3 and 4, if you back up to verses 3 and 4 here in chapter 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see, Paul knew that Timothy was unselfish 
He was genuinely caring. He was humble. He was willing to care for the needs of others above his own needs. He was willing to put the needs of other people first. And Paul knew that he could trust Timothy to care for the needs of the Philippian believers on his behalf. He genuinely cared about these Philippian believers. He cared about their spiritual well-being. He cared about their physical well-being. This wasn't just his duty. It's not like he was being sent off and he was just simply going to follow orders and do what he was told. He did this wholeheartedly. He had a passion for God's best in the lives of others. This was also part of his like-mindedness with Paul. They were one in their passion for the gospel at work in the lives of people. And Paul was confident in sending Timothy because his concern for these believers was genuine. That should be true of us. Do you have a genuine concern and care for your brothers and sisters in Christ in this fellowship? Do you have a genuine concern and care for other believers that you meet in this community? Maybe you work alongside other believers or you live near other believers. Do you care for their spiritual well-being? Timothy's concern was genuine. That should be true of us. Our concern for people in general, in the world, we ought to have a concern for people that they see Christ and come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We ought to have a concern for particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ and that God has put us in this fellowship to care for the needs of one another. We should begin here. Our concern for each other must be genuine. And if our concern for each other is rooted in God's Word, it will be. If we are centering our lives on the Word of God and taking steps to obey God's Word, we will be genuinely concerned for each other. Paul points to this kind of genuine care for one another, which we should have uh, this way in Romans chapter 12. Listen to Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine, he says. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor. You see, we might impress a few people for a moment or two with our accomplishments, but far more important is that we leave an impression on the lives of others for God's glory because we're heavenly minded. We're thinking about eternal needs of God's people and those around us. We're living, we're serving, we're genuinely concerned for people so that God will be glorified. That can only happen when we genuinely love people and care for the needs of others out of obedience to God's Word because we love the Lord. We're grateful for what He's done for us. We're grateful that He has saved us and we want to honor Him with our obedience. And we turn to the Word for wisdom and training our hearts for that obedience. That was Timothy. And Paul was confident of this. Now I want you to note Timothy's third quality of character. He is selfless. He is selfless. We've already touched on this a bit. But Paul says here in verse 21, of others that he cannot send. For they all seek their own interests, 
not those of Jesus Christ. You see, Timothy was a contrast to this. So if we said it positively, Timothy's not seeking his own interests. He's seeking that of Jesus Christ's interests. But those that Paul could not send, this was not true of them. For they all seek their own interests. They're putting themselves first. They're not thinking of serving Jesus Christ. That wasn't Timothy. He wasn't pursuing his own interest. He genuinely cared for these believers. And he was serving to make Jesus known. Think of that. What is it that you do in the fellowship of God's church? As a part of this fellowship of believers, do you do that with your whole heart? Genuinely caring for people, making Jesus known? I don't care what it is. Whatever we do, whatever God equips us for and the gifts that He gives us to serve with in this place, are we taking steps of obedience so that God will be glorified, so that Jesus will be made known? That same attitude that Paul had, which is seen in 1 Corinthians 2.2, was also true of Timothy when Paul wrote, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That should drive everything that we do. That should empower everything that we do as a church. You know, I think it's kind of sad that part of the reason Timothy's selflessness was a powerful example was because it was so uncommon. Because Paul says, I can't send anybody else. They're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. They're serving themselves, but not Timothy. Timothy is devoted to Christ, and he's concerned about God's people. You know, we don't meet many truly selfless people and that was true in Paul and Timothy's day also. There weren't many truly selfless people, but Timothy was one. Timothy stood out because of his genuine desire to please Jesus by caring for the needs of others, the needs of the people around him, the needs that Paul was sending him into the lives of people to, to meet. He stood out. He had a genuine desire to please the Lord in the way that he served to meet the needs of people. Timothy was seeking the things that are above, as God's Word says. He was heavenly minded. His feet were on earth, and people he was ministering to were on earth, but he was serving so that they might be blessed by God, encouraged with the Word of truth, pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ, built up in their faith. He was seeking the things that are above. Timothy was seeking to please the Lord with the way that he served, and he was heavenly minded about the needs of others. I wonder if that describes our lives. It is so hard, isn't it? At times we get so caught up in living on this earth, trying to take care of the things of this life, that we can push to the side eternal things and, and put them in second place. Timothy's example shows us another way, a different way, a way that pleased the Lord. Timothy was a living example of the commandments that we see in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, when Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So according to Paul, that was Timothy. Out of his love for God flowed his love for people. Is that true of you? Is that true of us as a church? That that we would say, because I love God, I love people. I know that's hard, isn't it? Because sometimes people rub us the wrong way. And we have to treat them like God treats us. And be willing to overlook the way they are because we're looking to Jesus. Because God looked to the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf when looking at our sin. He looked to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, wait, my son paid for that. Are we willing to look at people who rub us the wrong way and say, you know what, I'm going to love them because God loves me. And I want to joyfully serve Him in this way, pointing people to the kingdom, living a godly example that they can follow. Out of Timothy's love for people flowed his, out of his, out of his love for God flowed his love for people. It began with his love for God. But it didn't stop there. It flowed out of his life to the people around him. That was why Paul could say of Timothy that he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. That is why Timothy stood out as a man who wasn't bent on seeking his own interests. He was all about serving Jesus Christ, making him known. Now I want you to note Timothy's fourth quality of character. He was a trusted servant. He was a trusted servant. He was selfless, and he was a trusted servant. Look at verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. What made Timothy a trusted servant? Well, for starters, he he wasn't a recent convert. He wasn't a new believer. Even the Philippian believers knew of Timothy's proven worth, how he served alongside Paul like a son with a father. His character was proven. You see, that's what God calls us to as followers of Jesus, that we follow Him and grow up in Christ, maturing in our walk with Christ. That was Timothy. He was maturing in his faith. He wasn't a recent convert. He wasn't a new believer. But he had served alongside Paul and had been found to be faithful and reliable. I remember a time a few years ago when my youngest son, Josiah, and I were out working in the garage on something. I don't remember what we were working on, but at the time it dawned on me when I said, hey, uh, put your hands right there and hold that. It, uh, something strange it just goes through my mind, uh, which it often does. And I said, hey, do you know why God didn't give me three hands? <laughs> He's like, no. I said, it's because... He wanted me to call my son to come and work alongside me and help. (laughs) So that I could say, put your hand right there. Here's how to do it. Hold this. (laughs) You know, when a father calls his son to work alongside him, 
It's not just an opportunity for him to help or just to get something done. It's an opportunity for the father to teach the son, to show him how to do the work. When a mother calls her daughter and says, come, let me show you, come help me. It's an opportunity for her to teach her daughter how to do something and to grow in that. And so God didn't give us three hands. (laughs) He gave us two so that we would need to call other people to come alongside of us and help us. That had been Timothy with Paul. That had been Timothy in the work for the kingdom with Paul. And that's still true of the church today. We need each other. God did not give all the gifts that the church needs to one person in this room. He spread the gifts out through the people so that we might all come together and serve Him using the gifts that God has given us. We need each other. We need each other and we need to come alongside one another and serve with the gifts that God has blessed us with and is expecting us to use for His glory, for His kingdom, so that people will see Jesus in the way that we serve. That was true in Paul's day. And so he was sending Timothy to the Philippian believers knowing his proven character, that he had proved himself faithful. He was a trusted servant. There's a challenge here for us. Part of the work that God has for us as believers in Jesus is caring for and nurturing the faith of other believers. When their faith is in Christ, part of our assignment is to come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and to encourage them to keep growing in Christ, to continue to be devoted to the Lord, nurturing their faith. And we need to willingly work alongside other believers so that we and they are growing in the faith and learning to serve faithfully. That's one of the remarkable things about serving in this way. What's interesting to me is that Timothy's character had been proven. And yet, I think Paul knew that as he sent Timothy to serve, Timothy was also going to learn and grow. And so God uses us to set an example for for others, but yet He doesn't leave us where we are. He expects us to keep growing and growing in Christ-like maturity. It reminds me of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 4.2 when he says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. We need to be faithful to God, faithful in the work that He has given us to do, nurturing the faith of our brothers and sisters in Christ and then seeking to grow, continually growing in Christ-likeness ourselves. That's a call to all followers of Jesus. Timothy's faithfulness had been proven by the way he lived and served Jesus. Paul was not taking a risk in sending Timothy. Timothy's character had been proven. He was faithful. And we need to hear that today as a call to all of us that our character would be proven, that we would be faithful to God, that all who trust in Jesus would be growing in Christ-likeness, serving Him faithfully for God's glory, for the sake of the gospel of Christ. God's Word is calling us to be people whose God-honoring character is proven. 
It's one of the prayers that I pray that God will grow us and grow us not numerically so much as spiritually. What we ought to be concerned with is not getting bigger in number, although we would all love to see that. But what I pray for is that God would grow us spiritually. Because I believe that when God's people are growing spiritually, people are drawn to that who need Christ. And we'll see people trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ because we're living in such a way that that people are drawn to the truth. In verse 23, Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. It seems that Paul was waiting for some sort of legal decision in his case. And once he learns that outcome, he wants to send Timothy with the message. And so he also says in verse 24, And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. He wants to be there with them himself, but he sends Timothy on ahead. Paul longs to see these people. He deeply cared about these people. And his confidence is in the Lord. I love seeing that in verse 24 when it says, And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. But in the meantime, he sends Timothy who is like-minded, who is genuinely caring, who is selfless, and is a trusted servant. That can be true of us. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have people look at our lives and say, boy, they're like-minded in the faith. They're genuinely caring. They're selfless. They're trusted servant. May that be true of each of us as well. May we each be, as Paul says in verse 15, Look at verse 15 again. Blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom we shine as lights in the world. You see, we aren't to isolate ourselves from the world. The world needs to see us shining as lights pointing to Jesus Christ. We are here as a church in this world right now. And God is calling us to serve Him in this world in which we live right now so that people will see Jesus and glorify Him because they put their trust in Him as Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sins and new life in Christ. And they have devoted themselves to living for Jesus too. We are here as a church to shine like the example that Timothy had the proven character qualities that Timothy had in the world, pointing the world to Jesus who gave himself for sinners. May God help us each one to shine as a light in the midst of this world that desperately needs to trust in Jesus. If you're an unbeliever today, if you're an unbeliever, my prayer is that you'll see clearly who Jesus is that you won't be able to deny who Jesus is because you see Him being lived out in this community of believers. That you'll see that Jesus is the one who came and gave Himself for your sins so that you could receive forgiveness and new life in Christ. May you trust in Jesus Christ today, giving Him your life, devoting your life to living for Him devoting your life to growing in Christ-likeness so that you too may point others to Christ. May that be true of each one of us, that we see our call 
to live for Christ, to shine as bright lights in this world, that make much of Jesus to the watching world, that care for the needs of others, that encourage others, that we're like-minded, that we're genuinely caring, that we're selfless, and that we are trusted servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. May that be true of us.